0: Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of We're Talking Shift. This is the podcast where we talk shift because when we we feel stuck, if it's time to level up, rise to a challenge, make a health shift, a relationship, an emotional shift, basically any kind of meaningful, effective change in our lives, well, the first thing that we have to shift is our thinking. That is the antidote to feeling stuck. Now, my guest today is Jay Izzo. When I asked Jay, as I do all of my guests, how he prefers to be introduced, his response was, and I quote, seriously, I don't have a big enough ego to worry about stuff like that. End quote. Super cool. But I am going to share a little bit about him anyway so that you guys know who the heck this guy is. Jay is the author of several books, among them, The award-winning Got Social Mediology and The Internet Doctor, as well as The Social Media Playbook for Student Athletes, The Social Media Playbook for Coaches and Administrators, and most recently, Lessons from the Farm, Essential Rules for Success. Jay has a Master's of Science in Experimental Psychology from Washington State University and has taught psychology for more than 20 years. He is a keynote speaker a personal and business coach, and also has his own podcast called A New Direction with Jay Izzo. So as you may have gathered so far, Jay is an expert on social media psychology, business growth, motivation, and performance improvement. His purpose and passion in life is to help as many people as he can find a new direction and become more successful in their lives, in their relationships, their careers, and of course their businesses. You know, it sounds a lot like my own mission as a coach and the purpose of this podcast. So let's get to it and start talking some shift. Hey, welcome, Jay.
1: Thank you for having me on, Lori. I appreciate it.
0: I am so excited to have you here. I mean, we've had a couple of conversations now, and I just just know we're going to be able to get into some really good stuff and share a lot of great things with people. You're a lot of fun to talk to, so... I'm, I'm buckled up and ready for a ride.
1: You know what? This is, this is, it's been fun that getting to know you has been a blast. You're in, you're in a state, you know, flyover state is what they call them. Right. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: I I, I was, I was, I lived in that not too far from you in Nebraska when I, where I was raised. Uh And so I, you have that, you have that home feel for me. It's kind of like this. I feel like I'm kind of back home on my home turf because Mm -hmm. you have that down to earth part of yourself. And I, and I just enjoyed uh, listening to you and, and talking with you and have a lot of fun with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's cool how you just sort of pick up on that. Um, I guess down home energy, maybe you could call it. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. was, I was born and raised in Minnesota. So even closer, um, to Nebraska than over here in Cody, Wyoming, but, uh, same vibe, right?
1: No, the, the, the Minnesotans, can I call them Minnesotans? Is it Minnesotans? Is that what yeah. Minnesotans, They have this real down to earth, uh, they're, they're kind of salt of the earth people too, because, you know, there's a lot of dairy farms, of course, up in Minnesota and a lot of fishing and hunting and things that I grew up doing, of course. And so people are just kind of the, you know, salt of the earth people I've been to, you know, of course I've done the mall of America a few times and have been to Minneapolis, St. Paul, I've spent the night out in the stars in Warrington, Minnesota. And so, I mean, I, it's a beautiful state and Yeah. yeah. People
0: are great. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your book, uh, lessons from the farm, which I, which I read in less than 24 hours. Um, you know, it's a, it's a good, cause it's a good read and you just, um, have this wonderful way of taking us from, from one, you know, life lesson and experience to the next. And there's just tons of just wonderful nuggets for life in here. So I love it. And, um, you know, so we're going to talk about that, sure. uh, and we'll, we'll just, we'll see where we go. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I love, so let me just say, I, I, I love that you looked back at your life, you know, as a boy and a young man doing a a host of laborious jobs as a farmhand. And then you took the time as an adult at some point to think really deeply about them. And by doing that, you discovered all of these profound lessons that ultimately, I guess, shaped your core values, right. And your rules for success as an adult, I'm assuming, you know, you weren't consciously aware of how those lessons would affect you in the moment. But as an adult, you know, when you were thinking about it deeply, I'm assuming, you know, it just came to you through retrospect. Does that fair to say?
1: Yeah, no, it, you know what? It, it came out of, I do this, Well, at some point we'll talk about this, but I do this gratitude thing every morning where I wake up every morning and I write down seven things that I'm grateful for. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things, it, it, it how this book came about, one of the things that happened was I was, I wrote that I was really grateful for the men that took the time to <laughs> spend time with me to teach me to be a farmhand. And I I remember when I started writing this, I said, you know, I haven't talked to Bob Lillydal, who I mentioned a lot in the book. He um, really spent a lot of time. I spent more time with him in the summers than I spent with my own dad growing up because I was on his farm every day. And And I started thinking about how grateful I am, and I was thinking about what are the things that I still do or what are the little pieces that I still do? And I started writing down these things that Bob, taught me, or Alan Nigrin, who I mentioned, or Gerald Trepto, or Ralph Trepto, and all mm-hmm. these, and it started to, I started to realize that, man, they gave me so much that I still, that I still do today. Right. You know, don't do it exactly the same way. And it became so inspiring for me. I remember telling my wife, I'm going to write this book. And she was like, I'm tired of you writing books <laughs> because they <laughs> The, the financial return people understand financial return books are really not much, but right. I said, write this book. And yeah. I handed her the first few chapters and her tears were rolling down her eyes and said, you have to finish this book. And that yeah. was, and that was it. And that, and I knew that this was the book that, that I had to write
0: mm-hmm.
1: and thank them.
0: Thank yeah. Yeah. And, Well, and all of these things that you're sharing and talking about, you know, it's it's more than just um, a person's memoirs. These are these are profound life lessons that anybody can apply to their life, um, which is why it's so valuable. Um, And I think it's so cool that you get to a point in your life. You know, a lot of people do and a lot of people don't where you are you're willing to sit down and reflect, not necessarily on just what you think were the highlights of your life, but, but reflect on the people in your life, whether they were in your life in some ways that, you know, have left you with negative memories or positive ones. Um, There's lessons there. I, I was well into adulthood, I would say maybe I don't know, maybe my forties, mid forties, when, when I really began to think back and think deeply about, you know, the people and experiences that I had growing up. And like you, I found a lot of things so much that I learned from my interactions with certain key people. And, you know, and some of my experiences that I, I realized were life lessons and they had carried over into my adult life. And, um, you know, it was people like my grandmother and of course my mother and my father, um, working f- at a really young age, uh, my uncles. And I was thinking about how they influenced me, um, by what they demonstrated and what they taught me. And I just think if a person takes the time like you did, um, to think back, uh, in ways, uh, looking for the lessons, looking for the pearls, you know, you, you can learn so much about yourself and, and how to apply those things and demonstrate them to other people.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, really the goal of the, I think whenever we're writing something and you've written a book or two and, and, you know, whenever we're writing, even if you're writing articles, right, you're writing an article, not for yourself. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. you're really trying to figure out how can I, how can I write this for someone? How can I help someone with this? And, you know, I realized that, here I was a kid who had no experience on a farm and at nine years old gets thrown in the back of a pickup truck at seven thirty in the morning and is all of a sudden a farmhand. <laughs> and then over the course of the next 10 years of your life, you learn all these skills and all these things that, that you didn't even realize you were learning because you were just doing a job at the time you were just. <laughs> yeah, I was just making enough money so I could buy baseball cards. And stuff. Right, right. <laughs> but then, but then, what happens is you start to realize that you know, look, I was, I was not, I did not grow up a farmer. I, I didn't. And so then I started to realize, you know, these lessons really weren't about me learning to be a farmer. Right. These lessons were things that, gosh, if people could grasp them, if they could grasp half of them, if they could grasp two or three of them. It mm-hmm. could be really life changing. And that was so imperative to me that to get people to grasp these lessons and then apply them, because you know, in each chapter, I try to apply them to something in business or something yeah. in your life at the end of each chapter. And that was what was critical to me. I mean, the stories are fun and funny and s- mm-hmm. sometimes heart wrenching and sad. And but but the truth of the matter is we all have that opportunity. Yeah. And, yeah. and change.
0: Yeah. I'm going to, um, so talking about some of your lessons, cause the book is from cover to cover, just filled with awesome lessons. Um, I want to dive right into one of the, the juiciest lessons okay. of your farmhand experiences. Uh, actually, that's a pun, and it'll be obvious in a second. Uh, and, and so I'm going to ask you to share the life lesson you learned from being up to your elbows in a cow, helping this <laughs> lady out with her birth. <laughs>
1: yeah, lesson 10. One event can change your life forever. Yeah.
0: Right, right. So, So how did that change your life, Jay?
1: <laughs> well, you know what you realize is that all of a sudden, when you are called at 6:30 in the morning which i was never ever called at 6:30 in the morning I, I i got to work at 7 7:15 i was never called earlier than that and when bob called me early in the morning there's something really special isn't there when somebody says i need you
0: yeah yeah it, yeah you're right because no matter no matter what shape you were in when you went to bed, <laughs> right. you could be well rested. Yeah. You, you might not be, but wow. When somebody says, I need you, you, you snap to attention and things start working like, you know, a, a switch gets flipped, uh, super fast. There's, there's just no thought you go into action, right?
1: There, there really is. And here, there's a lesson in that, that I didn't write about, but there's a lesson in that too. Do you know, there's a lot of power. When you, if you own a company or you have lead a team or something like that, so often we try to get people to do something for us. And so what we do is we legislate what they want to do. But you know what the greatest influence is, is that when you can be vulnerable enough that you can say to your team or to your people around you, I need your help or yeah. I need you because it breaks down every barrier. Right and we sometimes just make a mistake of phrasing that rounding. When Bod said, I need you and then he said, We have a cow that's down and she can't get up and she's trying to give birth. There was you know, you don't (laughs) I don't have any experience in <laughs> delivering cows.
0: You, you didn't grab your your medical kit. No, and, I, didn't little, I didn't have my little.
1: Yeah, I didn't have. I didn't have this little medical kit that I could just pick up. Oh, okay. Well, I know exactly. I didn't. Yeah. I just knew. I just knew we needed help. I didn't know what that look was going to look like at the time, but I knew we needed help. Mm-hmm. And I remember jumping in my pickup truck. Yes, I had a pickup truck. Um. I called him big blue and anyway, so, uh, <laughs> that's
0: so funny because my daughter called her Toyota forerunner, her 2001 Toyota forerunner. That was her name. Big blue. <laughs> yeah,
1: blue. I turned anyway. it to blue. Yeah, no, it's okay. true. Okay. And so it was a Chevy pickup and it was 1979 Chevy pickup and it was blue. And I remember coming out there and I pulled up right where I knew the cow was. And uh, there she was laying on top of this frozen mound it's January 1st. It's oh. freezing cold in Nebraska, as you, as you oh, well yeah. know, in the Midwest. I do. And it's freezing. It's frozen. And uh, here's this cow struggling. And Bob, God bless him, Bob, Bob was like, okay, here's what we got to do. Okay. And so we, he started in going in and he said, oh my gosh. And I was like, what? And he was like, it's a breach. We got to turn. You got to turn the cow. Mm. Uh, Okay. okay, That's awesome. Um, (laughs) We got to turn the cow. So the umbilical cord was wrapped around the cow's head. And he said, take off your jacket, roll up your sleeves, soap up. I'm like, what? Because at that time, at that time, there's no rubber gloves. There's no, no, there's, you Uh get there's this bar soap that you are rubbing. You got cold water and you're rubbing soap up and down your arms, up and down, and you are just doing whatever you can. Now, because now you start to feel this, this, this pressure of not only are we going to try to save this little poor little calf, right. but we have to save the mom. Yeah. And and she can't she can't help us. She's helpless. And I, there's another lesson in that too. And I, and anybody who owns a pet. Yes, I think you need to understand that they need you to help them They need you to feed them. They need you to water them they need you to do all sorts of things for them and you have to understand our Responsibility is to help those little animals whether it's a cat a dog w- Whatever the animal is well in this case it was this cow And I remember not even thinking I mean they just he just said soap up We were in this panic and you just reach in there and you're just trying to do whatever you can do and I remember once we got the umbilical cord off his neck, we were trying to grab, we were trying to get its uh, hooves mm-hmm. and we were trying to pull on its hooves to pull the cow around, the calf around. Mm-hmm. And man, we couldn't, we just kept slipping and it, it's slipping and it's sliding. And you can't get a good grip. And so we took a chain and got it. We had chain, literally had a chain <laughs> that we wrapped it around the poor little things, hooves to try wow. to just give it enough grip so that we could pull on the chain and turn it around. And we eventually were able to kind of, and it's, it's bizarre. I'm just telling wow. you, I'm going to draw this picture for you, but you've got, there's three hands inside this cow at the same time. You got one pushing on the, on the hind end of the cow. You've got two hands trying to pull the, the front end of the cow. Oh, dear and Lord, trying, Lord, Yeah. And <laughs> so and it's slippery and it's slimy. And by the way, you forgot that it was 17 degrees.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah that was my next question. you because, right? All of your senses are it's like the world um just sort of ceases to exist, and the only thing it, the only thing in your world right now is the task at hand
1: it's really true. And focus is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing when you can be that focused. And as I'm telling the story and reliving the story again, I mean, I feel everything. that's how that's how. That's that's something about this whole incident is I can feel everything that I was feeling. I could feel the pressure, the panic, you know, of trying to save this animal. And Mm -hmm. I could feel all of it. And I remember that when we start, we got it turned around and we started to see the nose, and then we could get a better wrap on the chains onto the hubs. And we're I'm trying to pull on my my cowboy boots are slipping on this icy mound, and we're trying to do all this stuff and you know finally you know the, it just comes flying out at you <laughs> the, oh, calf, the, calf, <laughs> the calf just comes flying out and and you're just covered and and, and all sorts of things and <laughs> and but you know what there is such an amazing miracle yeah that you were just a part of I mean it, yeah. was, it was such an amazing miracle and and you know it has served me so well. In my life and I and I I hope that people get to have those miracle moments and I'll tell you why Um, sadly what happened one day I was driving to um, New Jersey to see some family as I was living in North Carolina and the motorcycle this was in the winter and a motorcycle driver passed me by and the next thing I see is he passed me by and I mean outside of Richmond Virginia I see his motorcycle fly up in the air and I see his body separate from the motorcycle. Oh God. And so when I finally get up to the point, cause we're in standstill traffic almost, I pulled my, my pickup truck, <laughs> another one okay. and pulled my Toyota pickup truck off the side. I jumped out and here's this, uh, man who is lying up against the cement, median that separates the mm-hmm. sides of traffic his he has slid clearly across the pavement where it's not only tore off all his leathers but mm. it's also torn off his skin mm. and people around said we need to because he was in such an awkward position people are going we need to we need to lay him down and i was like no i'm screaming no 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 don't touch him and i remember running and getting everything he had on his motorcycle and just propping him up right in that spot
0: right stabilizing him like
1: just trying to stabilize him (laughs) and i kept i i remember just all of a sudden things just started hitting me going talk to him just keep talking to him ask him who he is ask him where he's from ask him why he was here ask him what was going on until the uh, emergency medical team came and i remember they came and you know they said they did a great job and then he said, they said, you need to come back with us to the fire engine. And I was like, why? I just want to get my truck. I didn't even realize I had blood on my body. Oh, I had, I didn't even, I didn't even know. I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me because I have been so focused
0: Mm -hmm.
1: in my past that now I was able to handle that calmly and coolly and correctly. And thankfully, and you know, you don't, you're not thinking about it. And I think to myself, I go, and I've sadly, I've had a couple other cases where this has happened, where I've been in just the right person at the right time to handle mm-hmm. some emergency medical issues. And even though that's not, <laughs> I'm not trained in that. I know enough to know what to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's, but I know that that one event when I was 17 years old, I know that that one event really prepared me for my future. Yeah. Things. And that and I think that's the thing that we lose so frequently is that you have events in your life that you don't even realize why you were had to do them. But then they come around later and you go, Man, if it wasn't for that one event, if it wasn't for that cow, if it wasn't for that calf, if it wasn't for
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: just being available and ready. And that by the way is the next another lesson, right? Is you gotta be available. And
0: yeah. Yeah. And that, well, and you were willing to step up though. I mean, that's the other thing. You were available, um, but then you were also willing to step up and dive literally dive into something that was completely foreign to you and you just <laughs> did it. And you're right in that very um moment um or that incident of helping deliver that calf, which I'm assuming the mother and the calf were then fine? Oh, they were great. Okay. Uh right, I, right. I, I
1: I talked to Bob about this. And I said, you know, I said, I think, I think that that calf would wound up being a show calf. And I think <laughs> we called him squirt. And he said, I, I remember we got Bob and I were talking about as I'm writing the book. And he says to me and he goes, you know, because I don't remember that for sure. But he said, it could very well be. He said, it could, it could very <laughs> well be that that was the case. So yeah, yeah cool, no, cool. everything was fine. Yeah, it was it's, great. And it was a neat story.
0: Yeah, it's a great story, but like you know, to your point, really, um, would you have been as prepared as you were to dive into the action that you took with that cyclist, motorcyclist? Um, oh. You know, maybe not if that hadn't happened. But because you had sort of been in a an emergency situation when it came to a life, it seemed like maybe that had a lot to do with your um, being able to be calm and collected and and just focus and take action quickly.
1: Yeah. The farm does that to you because mm-hmm. there's always something happening that you don't aren't expecting, you know, and I'm so grateful for that because, you know, here we are in the midst of a pandemic, right? It's very unexpected. And there's right. a lot of people around me who are struggling and, and, and are scared and everything like that. And, you know, I feel like I'm okay. Yeah. Feel like I'm available to help. I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like I'm, Challenged, I feel like I'm available to
0: help. Right, I feel the same way, and I, I do think a lot of it is um, the how you how you take the the lessons that you've you know that have been presented to you in life, and what you decide to do with them. Are you going to be you know be in a victim mentality uh, right. and kind of a prisoner of you know, the negativity and the sorrow of it, or are you going to, did you become stronger and resilient so that you are then capable of handling whatever the challenge of the day is?
1: Yeah. Victim to victor is really not all that many different letters.
0: Right. (laughs) Right.
1: I mean, uh, yeah. I always think about that all the time. You know, there's only a couple of letters really different between victim and victor because the first few letters are exactly the same.
0: Yeah, and it really, it's a shift in your thinking, isn't it, from one to the other? It simply yeah. is a change of perspective.
1: Absolutely, 100%. Yeah,
0: so, okay, so uh, you're talking a lot about these um, farmers that you worked for um, and they were really role models for you in, you know, in, in such a way, such monumental (laughs) ways in your life, right? Different ways. Um, so what about, I mean, here's what I was thinking about. We have, we have Suedo role models. Now we, you know, we have, we have celebrities and that's not necessarily a new thing. I mean, you know, Weedy cereal started, you know, using celebrities as role models, you know, on their cereal boxes, like yeah. top athletes, yeah. I should say, is what they yeah. started with, I think, in the 50s, right? But now, so now, you know, that trend has continued. So we have a lot of celebrities that have become um, role models for young people. And then we also have a new thing, which is social media influencers. Oh. And, uh, you know, you see a lot of these social media influencers. and and I'm not it, I'm not trying to knock it or minimize it, but I question um, when I see a 20 something year old and even even just a 30 something, you really, in the big scheme of things, have a very limited amount of life experience at that time, particularly when you're in your 20s. Um, and I'm wondering, if the influence that you're wielding, you know, uh, is how, how positive, how valuable is that? And sh- is it a good thing? I guess is my question. What is your take? Is this, is this a good thing? Is this uh not a good thing? I mean,
1: wow. There's a lot of, there's a lot of octopus arms.
0: Uh-huh. To, <laughs> to <jump laughs> right.
1: On. There really are. So first, first, let me say this. Um, I'm going to answer your question, but let me mm-hmm. just say that one huge difference that I had is that the men that I was around were there. Yeah. They were, they, they were not somebody I, I looked up to them, but I could see them. They, they were more than just influencers. They were mentors yeah. and they were teaching me along the way, knowing, knowing that I had no experience. And they were patient with me and they, they would, they, Bob, you know, Bob is the only living one left. And, you know, he, you know, it was when I went to see him a couple summers ago and we had this big hug and some tears and he said, I love you. And I was, that was a huge thing for me. And he gave me a hug and I can't, that's, that's way different. Now, when we move it to, okay, social media and social media influencers and and thought leaders and those type of things, and that we look up to, and even athletes, you know, I think we've always wanted to be something, you know, bigger than we are. I think we've always wanted, you know, to be the person who was on the front of the Wheaties box, you know, or we wanted to be... You know, if you played basketball, me growing up, you wanted to be like Michael Jordan or Larry Bird or, or Dr. Julius Erving, right? You just wanted to be like that. And you looked up to them as, you know, from an athlete standpoint, and we really didn't know them very well personally. Right. You know, now with social media, we get to know a whole lot more about people than probably we really do want to know ultimately. Mm -hmm. But here's my take on that about social media influencers. If you're willing to be open enough to learn, anybody can teach you anything. And whether, I've always said that whether you're 20, your first 20, let's say you're 20 years old, Mm -hmm. you have 20 years of experience living a life that I never lived. So there's something in there that I can learn from if I'm willing to learn from it. Mm -hmm. I may not agree with you. I may not even be very excited about what you say, but I can at least glean something from you that I can learn that says, you know, okay, that's a perspective I've never had before. I need to, I need to at least consider that perspective and consider that this is how this person was raised or this is how this person grew up. And so I look at it really from the aspect of what can I learn from you? Mm-hmm. And by the way, little children are very powerful at teaching us a lot of lessons.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: We're not If we're not careful because if, if and when I say if you're not careful because if you really will open up your mind your your children are so innocent, and their mind is so investigative and so um curious mm-hmm. and as we age, we have a tendency to lose that curiosity and that excitement and that wonder, and I think sometimes we can learn so much from that excitement and that wonder and that curiosity, regardless of age and and so for me, it's open, keeping my mind open to go, yeah. what can I learn? That, that's how I view
0: it. Yeah, I like that. That's a really good way to look at it. That's, uh, it, there's value there when you, when you have that perspective and that approach. Um, I do like that because, you know, I wonder, I mean, for coming back to your book, I mean, how many kids and teens, um, get to experience life on a farm? Not that many, <laughs> yeah. right? Not, not that many. And, um, you know, and so what, if they don't happen to have any good role models, uh, in their lives, because a, a lot of them, unfortunately, tragically don't. Um, so, you know, they, they don't have it. Uh, maybe they don't even have any form of, of work experience to draw on. Um, so you just made me wonder, okay, they're kind of at the mercy, um, of, of being influenced by what they see, you know, coming from celebrities and the, you know, people on social media. And I, and I guess, yeah, depending on their mentality and the way they look at that, um, you know, it could be a, could be a, a really positive thing. It's a time in our culture where I guess entrepreneurism it's, it's really become the trend du jour and, you know, younger adults in particular, um, there's a trend that they don't really want to work for somebody else. They want to be their own boss. They want to run their own business, you know, kind of right out of the gate, which is, which is a great aspiration. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, but they, you know, they, they don't want to do things in what they consider to be the old way, you know, which, which in their view requires a lot of years of, of sacrifice before you realize success. Right. And I was, I was talking to my nephew recently about this, um, he's 19. And so that, that demo and some of the struggles, um, and uncertainties and the things that they're frustrated with. And, and that was, that's part of it is, uh, I don't, they feel like they don't want to do what they consider to be a lot of sacrifice in the groundwork as you build up to, you know, what your idea of success is going to be. And I'm, I'm just wondering how do we, um, how do we kind of not necessarily steer them differently because that's, that's not what it's all about. I mean, there are, you know, there's innovation and there's new ways to do things all the time, especially right now, but how do we help them with some of, you know, understanding that there are so many valuable life lessons that if you kind of skip over a lot of stuff um, and a lot of challenges and want to dive right into what you think is, going to be the end result of something. There's a lot that you could be missing along the way to prepare you to deal with the challenges that, you know, are going to come up with being your own boss and doing your own thing and making your way in the world in a new way. You know what I'm saying?
1: I do. Yeah. And it's a great question because I think because of the advent of social media and the ability to become, to be basically create, yourself out of nothing. And the the technology has allowed us to create ourselves. I mean, let's be honest here. Um, I'll be honest. When I graduated college and even grad school, when I was in grad school and I was working on my master's and doctorate degree, when I was doing all of that, there was no such thing as podcasting. Right. It didn't exist. Well, now today, you know what, if you have a a, a a laptop, but you don't even have to have a laptop. You can do it from your phone. Right. You can be a podcaster and start, and start, you know, getting guests and start talking about things. And so we live in a world where you, we actually, you know, kind of value that creativity. I think though, what is missing is that you, what to your point, and that is <laughs> there's, you, you can't, you can't, it's hard to know what you don't want when you when you don't when you're doing things that you know you don't want to do the rest of your life.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, I mean, I, I didn't want to
1: be, I didn't want to be around you know 400 hogs and 880 acres the rest of my life. That was just not right. something I wanted to do.
0: But how but would I, you know that if you didn't do it?
1: Right. Exactly. That's the thing is, is that we go, oh, that's not what I want to do. And I think here's the other piece to that, and that is. You know what? We are all blessed with a unique set of uh, natural, God-given abilities, skills, talents, and passions. And it's what makes us uh, all unique. No two people have the exact same skill set, the exact same, you know, it may be close, but not everybody is Michael Jordan. There's only going to be one Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, you know, there's going to be only, you know, one Brett Favre. There's only going to be, um, you know, one Joe Montana. There's only going to be one Hank Aaron. You know, I mean, there is, there's only going to be one of those. And they have a unique set of skills and talents that they bring to the table. And we all do. And I think when what happens is that we get so caught up into telling people that they have to go to college or they have to do this and then they try to figure out a degree based on what's going to make them the most money rather than taking a look at well what are your natural talents skills and passions and how can you start molding yourself and what you're naturally gifted to do and i think i think the good thing about this younger generation is i think they try to figure that out i think the bad thing about that is, is that though, is they don't experience enough negative things to even know if it's really a negative. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, I gave farming a really good shot. <laughs> I mean, I gave it, I gave it 10 years of, of being able to go, okay, I'm going to give this a, I'm going to give this a really good shot. And there was a point where I thought, well, maybe this is what I'm going to do, but I was really never truly gifted nor did my passions lie to do it. Yeah. And, yeah, and as you age, you start to realize that you, can, you can't uh, throw bales from, you know, 6 a.m. in the morning, you know, in the summer till mm-hmm. sundown. You yeah. can't do it anymore. So I think, that I think the one negative is that, you know, you, you do need to experience a lot of things because you really don't know what you think you may not like actually may be the very thing that you are so good at
0: mm-hmm. and so yeah i'm sorry finish your thought well it's just that you may be so good
1: at it and you may be so passionate about it that you just don't realize but you never tried it because you have your ideals set on something else that it happened to me mm. lori it it happened to me i mean you know i i thought i was going to be this great psychologist. I really did. I thought I was going to be the greatest sports psychologist. I was going to be the next Bob Rotella. I was going to work with some of the best athletes in the world. I I really did. And I got educated and did all of that. And then things took a really weird turn in my life. And it never happened. It never happened. And I, and, and had it not been for floundering and doing so many bad things, things I hated. Mm
0: -hmm. Had it
1: not been, I would have never stumbled upon the thing that I love to do what I'm doing right now.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So talk about why you believe that, um, say entrepreneurs, um, or, you know, business owners, in what ways are they a great deal like farmers?
1: Because they got to think on their feet. First of all, entrepreneurs have to think on their feet very, very quickly and they have to make decisions That sometimes those decisions require immediate, you have to make immediate decisions. I mean, you you can't wait because every opportunity missed is a problem. And so I think that's, first of all, you, you have to be able to make very quick decisions. But I think then the other thing is, and this is really true, is if you believe in what you're doing, you can't quit. I I always use the example of, you know, it's like, it's like the, you know, the gold miner who's in the, who's in the, um, mine shaft and they, they've been using the pickaxe and they keep using it day after day after day and nothing comes up. Right. But if they had seen, you know, that they're just three and then they quit and had they seen that they're just three feet away from that gold vein, Mm-hmm. And if they would had just worked, you know, two more days or three more days, that gold vein would have been there and they would have, they would have seen, realized their dream. Yeah. I think the one thing about farming that certainly taught me was you have to be so resilient and just because you're not seeing results today doesn't mean that you're not going to see a result tomorrow. And there is, there is also this other piece of knowing wisdom and that is the wisdom to know when it's not working,
0: yeah. you know,
1: that, and I know that from farming as well is that there would come a time point in time, we'd be doing something and, you know, we just, we just had to stop, you, know, you, you, get, <laughs> you get, you get, you get flooded out, you know, let's say you plant in the spring and then you get an early flood and you replant again, again, and, and then, you know, you let it go. And then here comes another flood. You know, sometimes you just have to go, we're not replanting anymore. <laughs> and,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and so you have to have the wisdom to know, right. you know, when that is. But then you have to also understand that you're sowing seeds. Right. You go. And you, you never know what seed is going to realize that great harvest.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have to stay with it. So even when we're in, Well, even when we're not, let's say, in the midst of a pandemic and an economic shutdown as we are now in the bizarre year of 2020, um, even when we're not in this position, people are still really riddled with, with fears about the unknowns and you know, uncertainties of life, you know, the fears of, of not maybe being good enough, fear of failing, right? Should I, should I really take this leap? Should I really take this chance? Am I going to fail? Am I going to be a success? So you talk a lot about, you know, those kinds of fears in your book. Um, how do you suggest we do things, still do things when we're afraid?
1: Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I talk about in the very first chapter of the book, you know, is sometimes you just have to do things afraid here's the thing about fear. You know, the truth is when we see anything fearful, we have three responses and generally there's one that's automatic. The first thing we generally do is we freeze, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're not sure if it's really dangerous or not dangerous or how dangerous it may be. So we freeze typically when we see fear. And then typically what we do is we either run away from it or we decide that we're going to fight it, you know, emotionally. Yep. But really what you have to do is whenever you're in a situation where you're, In, you know, it's it's, you're you're want to try something in your life. You want to try As an entrepreneur you want to try something new The truth of the matter is you can't wait for the fear to go away because the fear is not going to go away right ever Ever it's never going to go away You're never if you're waiting for the fear to go away. You're just never going to do anything You're going to be in the constant state of freeze And then it's going to be paralysis by analysis from that point Yes, but (laughs) But what gets you through it is there's two things. One is that you, you, you set your mind and your body and your spirit and your emotions to total commitment, meaning that I'm, I'm committed to doing this regardless of how I feel.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I, I I know this isn't, I I, I talk about this though. And when I talk about relationships, but, and I know that's, it's not the show, but it makes the point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I don't I, I've been married to my wife twenty two years, but here's the thing. we don't always like each other, <laughs> yeah, we just don't. We don't always like each other, but we're committed to each other, yes. And so that commitment takes you through the next stage. And so commitment to something, even if you don't like it, even if you're afraid of it, even if you're uh, even if you're unsure of it, commitment. Can overcome fear first and foremost. Mm-hmm. and then the second the second thing is you have to have you need to have cheerleaders
0: absolutely. i I agree. you need to have somebody. At least one person in your corner, yeah. one person that when you start to you know when you're when your knees start to wobble a little bit, that they can go, "Nope, I got you. you know, keep going. I believe in you, you know, whatever that is, cheering you on. and I, I think that, yeah, it's so important um to be able to have that. It, not everybody does, but I think I think most people um can find somebody close to them they that or that they can trust to be that person for them. And I, you know, I look at too, um, as I mean myself, um, my husband, Eric and I, we have tried, we have done so many different endeavors and initiatives that have been colossal failures. Um, but to me, I, you know, I, my, the way I frame that up is that you've probably heard this before. It's failing your way forward because Otherwise, yeah, you're, you just, if you're unwilling to be uncomfortable in the unknown and you're unwilling to take the risk of doing something that is urging you to be done, that's calling to you because you're so afraid that it may not be successful, uh, how do you grow? Well,
1: it's a great question. Another great question because you can't. I, I never saw anything that I stopped doing as a failure. Honestly, yeah, yeah. I, I've always seen it as something. It's okay. There's one more lesson learned. I think it was right. Um, I think it was Edison who said, "You know, I have I'd found one thousand ways to not make a light bulb."
0: <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's true cuz those are that's where you that's where you get smarter. That's hopefully how you become wiser, right? It's it's not by the successes, it's by the things that didn't pan out quite the way you anticipated.
1: <laughs> well, right, it's it's well, and I think that's the thing is that sometimes what happens is and this is this is and by the way, people who are listening to the show, I know this is you because I've fallen into this trap early on in my life. And when I thought I had failed, what, what happens is you get so emotionally wrapped up into, I failed and you take it personally. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is you take it so personally, you shut down and you don't want to try again. And so what happens is your emotions have now kept you from being able to try the next thing. But if you were willing to go, okay, you know what? This was a great learning lesson for me. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, okay. So this is a learning lesson. I've, I've I've got that. That's one thing I will never do again. I've learned from that. Now, now I know that I'm not going to do that. What can I do next? Yeah. And that that's that's where the that's where you have to have a different emotional, mental mindset of being mm-hmm. able to say to yourself. And farming is great at that. I mean, because mm-hmm. the countless times that Bob put me in a position where he would say, "Figure it out," right? And it mm-hmm. was literally for me to fail, but learn from it and then do it a different way. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that's, it's a powerful lesson that you have to look at it as I didn't fail. I just, I just found another way not to do it. I'm going to do something. I'll do it differently or I'll do it slightly differently or I'll tweak this or I will do something completely <laughs> different, but yeah. I'm not going to stop just because this didn't work out.
0: Yeah, yeah. You could look at it as, now I am intimately familiar <laughs> with yeah. every angle yeah. of this situation. <laughs> and, and I know to try a new point of entry <laughs> right. on my, my next endeavor, right?
1: right. <laughs> oh gosh, do I know that one well?
0: Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So so the moral of the story is, how do we do things when we're afraid? You, you freaking do them afraid.
1: <laughs> you do. You do. And, 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 and you know what, I I want to, there's going to be some people go, yeah, I'm not really close enough with anybody that I, I can hear people say, I'm not really close enough with anybody to have a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. And you know what, let me just tell you something. You can be. Yep. And, and here here's the thing. There are so many groups that you can just belong to, whether they're BNI groups or, uh, mastermind groups that you can belong to, even, even if, if you're not a very good speaker, right, you, you, there's all these speaking groups that you can, you know, go to where you can develop relationships. You can go to all sorts of networking events and you can develop relationships. The truth of the matter is you're eventually going to find somebody who's going to believe in your vision. And if, if one person, you only need one person mm-hmm. to believe in your vision and believe better yet to believe in you. Even if they don't understand your vision, they just believe in you. Yeah, that that one person that you can kind of go to, and say, "Hey, listen, I am really struggling here. I don't know." That person can say, "You know what? So, all right, all right. So, you know, you know that you have all the potential in the world. What's stopping you? Right? -hmm. You just need that one. You you know, it. It really, Bob. When I was that first day I was castrating hogs, which is the story about doing things afraid, you know,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, it wasn't that he did anything special. It was that he said, you're up. (laughs) And, and I felt his, him say to me, you, you're going to do this. And that doesn't sound very encouraging, but in fact it was.
0: It was because he, I mean, he was basically saying, even if you're not sure, I know you're capable.
1: Right. Right. hmm. Yeah. I mean, that it's a powerful. It it's is. A, it's so powerful when somebody says you're up. Go for it, man. Go for it, girl. Get it done. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that was somebody that you trusted. You already had trust in him and his, um, and his, you know, his wisdom and his capabilities uh, and his judgment. So when he said you're up, and, and that person in your life that you trust says you're up, go for it. <laughs> Even if you're uncertain, you know, and your heart's pounding and your knees are shaking, that somehow that tr- their trust and their belief in you transfers and it propels you forward.
1: Yeah, and and I think I think another thing is there's this thing called healthy competition.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> <That's> that.
1: <laughs> there's this thing called healthy competition that you do not want to look bad in front of your peers. Yeah. It's a, it's a healthy competitive spirit that says, "I got to do this." You know, I I, I don't I don't want to look bad in front of my peers, so I'm a, I'm going to do this. I'm going to
0: find a way to make this work. Yep. Yeah, it's true because you can use that in a – I mean, you could uh, use it in a way that you feel, um, again, puts you in a disempowered frame of mind, a disempowered mode. Or you can use that, yes, as I'm going to rise to the challenge um, in that which would be healthy. But, you know, being being unwilling to go, oh, I don't want to look bad in front of my peers. I don't want everyone to see me not do this. That's healthy because – yeah, you all of a sudden you you start to learn that you're made of more than you might have thought a minute before.
1: It's it's it, and you know what happens is you find out that your peers are just as scared as you are.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they see you they see you trying so hard. You know what you do? You in a way you actually are influencing them and empowering them to go, "Well, if she can do it, yes. I can too." You know, right. If she's willing to take the risk, why am I what am I doing?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of times we make the assumption that everyone else is confident and capable and we're the only one that's not. And really, you know, like you just said that sometimes they're feeling the same way. (laughs) Then you do it and they are like, dude, I can't believe you did that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's so it's, I mean, I mean, think about the first time you ever got in front of the microphone to do your first podcast.
0: Oh yeah. And you know what? I had that one person that I could trust that did it with me and otherwise I don't know that I'd be here doing this right now, but I had, when I first started this podcast, I started with a co-host, um, my dear friend, Candace Parisi. Um, we decided to do this together. So for the first, I don't know, 12 or so episodes, it was the two of us. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that I would not have literally stepped up to the microphone by myself to start. I was very insecure about it and unsure, but she believed in me. She believed in us as a team and having that person that said, no, no, you know, you can do this. We can do this. This is, you're meant to do this. Having that made all the difference. And we jumped in and then she ended up deciding it wasn't her cup of tea. So, so then I was left with the decision Um, after only maybe about a dozen episodes, well, do I, do I forge ahead solo or do I just, um, go, well, okay, that didn't work and walk away. So that one person makes a difference. Obviously here we are, you know, 90 episodes later and I, and I'm still doing it, but I do give immense credit to my good friend who believed in me and trusted me and, and gave me a nudge that I needed.
1: Listen, it was the same way for me with my show. Yeah I, I, I have never met James Lowe Jiggy Jaguar face-to-face in my life. Never met him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He gave me a, I, he interviewed me off my first book back in 2015, got social Mediology. and he said, "You know what, you're, you're a lot of fun." He said, "How would you like to do an internet doctor segment on my show, you know every Thursday, 15 minutes talking about the social media stupid of the week, the social media star of the week, and then a social media tip?" Mm -hmm. And I did that show for a year, year and a half with him. Now, remember, I have never met this young man face to face Uh ever, ever. And he says to me one day after doing a show, because he brought me in to do some interviews with some other folks and said, you need to have your own show. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, but you're really good at this. And he said, so I'm going to, I'll record the first shows for you and, and help you figure it out. And I think there's another lesson in that, right? Is that sometimes we think that it's got to be somebody that we can physically touch. But I'm telling you, that James was so confident in my ability to do this thing. Yeah. That it gave me everything. And you know, we're we just finished our 108th episode, and um, I I I have to be honest with you if he was the one who said you have to have your own show and and he was when he said you're up I, really that's what he said you're up
0: mm, nice he saw something in you that you uh, hadn't quite seen yet
1: no and i love it i can't yeah. i can't figure out why i waited so long
0: <laughs> you know divine timing right jay
1: oh gosh yeah, yeah dude, there's boy that's a whole that's an episode all in itself.
0: Yeah, we'll tee that one up. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that brings me to something else that you said in your book, and this is a quote. It says, invest in the person that will be, not the person that is right now. So, I mean, we just kind of talked about that in the sense of uh, you know, people that helped uh, helped us get moving in this direction. Uh, how important is that to younger people? Um, yeah. I
1: don't think it's just younger people. Yeah. I mean, you know, okay. What listeners don't understand is, is I'm listening to Lori, and I'm thinking not about Lori as the interviewer. I'm thinking about the person who Lori is, and I'm thinking about her heart, and I'm thinking about what does Lori want to become, right? What is what is, and and I think it has to be so intentional where you're thinking about how can I help Lori be what Lori, and I'm looking at every. Lori is like a diamond. Okay. And diamonds have facets. And I'm trying to look at every facet of what Lori is. And Lori, I've never met face to face, but I'm listening for every facet that I can and going, what is her massive potential? What, what is it? Is there something that I can add to Lori that can expose even more of the potential that she already has? And it doesn't matter. it doesn't matter. I, we 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 so often think it's young people, and I do believe that we need to invest in our young people. And I believe that we need to invest in them and look beyond what you see on the outside and look inside the heart of that person and go, what are what could they be capable of? Sure, and we have sure. to ask ourselves that question, what What are they really, really capable of? And then what role can I play in bringing at least a part of that out? Right and I and I think so often we think it just happens, but the truth of the matter is I think we have to be more intentional and take the time to stop thinking about what am I doing and think about, well, what's this other person doing? what's mm-hmm. what what do they have? What are the skill sets that they have? Like, you know, I mean, you're a marvelous interviewer and you know you're very genuine and you know you're fun and you know, a great conversationalist, right? And I'm I keep thinking about those things and I keep going, man, she could do so much with this. She's got, she's got all those great natural skills that, you know, she gives to people to help them grow and learn and become better themselves. And, you know, I think to me, it's like, you know, how do I, how, what can I do today in this show to help bring more of that out for you? Mm-hmm. I that's love the, that. I think that's the intention that we have to have, you know, cause it's, it's not about me. Even, even though, yeah, okay, we're talking about my book. This really isn't about me.
0: Sure. sure. But you're right. It it's not necess- It's not limited to young people. It's it's no. anybody. It's it's your neighbor. It's your friend. It's a family member. It's your partner. It's it's anyone um, that you know. When you're people that are in that are really, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it, passionate about just helping other people feel good, helping, just helping you have a better day, a better week, a better life, a better relationship, a better fill in the blank, then you're right. The way to approach that and train your mind to think about that when you are interacting with anybody is, is to think about it in the way that you said, you know, what, what is it that this person is capable of? What could I, What could I say or just kind of what kind of energy can I share with this person that makes them feel somehow better about themselves, their lives, the the possibilities?
1: Well, you know, I mean, uh, listen, the listeners that are out there right now listening to this show, right? I mean, you know, when was the last time when you were in a conversation with somebody that Instead of thinking about the next thing you're going to say, you actually sat there and focused on what that person actually said.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that is a learned skill, <laughs> the listening.
1: It's a huge skill. It's an yeah. underutilized skill.
0: Yeah, L- listening without the um waiting for your chance to jump in like you said with what you're going to say to become an active listener rather than what do they call that autobiographical uh where you're just waiting for a chance to talk about yourself and share your you know talk about <laughs> just be heard um giving the gift of of listening um sincerely uh and and with curiosity is Definitely a one of the best gifts we can give another person. I think.
1: Yeah. Well, Mark Twain said that most conversations are monologues with witnesses.
0: <laughs> I love that. It's true.
1: <laughs> you know, I mean, that's 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 really what happens to us, right? We, you know, yeah. I'm I'm yeah. trying to figure, as as we're sitting here doing this, and you're in Wyoming, and I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. I I keep trying to think, you know. How can I add value to Lori? What what is it? Is there something that I can do to add value to her that can lift her show, that can lift her a little bit further? That Mm -hmm. to me, to me, that's why I think I do interviews when I do interviews on shows. I really do honestly and sincerely say to people, how can I, I really want to, I'm trying to figure out how am I going to add value to you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you just told me that I'm a diamond, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I feel but, really good now. <laughs> really yeah, good. But I mean, but think about yeah. yourself
1: though for a second, though, Lori. I mean, you do. You have a lot of facets to you.
0: Yeah. Well, we all do, right? Everyone but, does. Yeah, right. Everybody's. Yeah. I
1: mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody thinks well. The only diamond is Lori. Well, that just means <laughs> no, 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 no. We're all diamonds. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we're yeah. all diamonds. We all have facets to us. If we're, but if, but we will never see them if we don't, first of all, take off our microscopic lens on ourselves and take out the magnifying glass to look at someone else.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I love that. It's true. So it kind of, um, it kind of leads into the next, uh, thing I had here that I read in your book saying, give life to others when you can. Mm. Sometimes they're living, but they're not living, they're stuck. Um, So tell me, you know, because obviously this is, it's all about getting unstuck. And, uh, you know, what did you, so what did you mean by that? They're living, but not living, they're stuck.
1: You know, I thought about my dad uh, before he died. And um, I thought about him because my dad was 80 Uh, two years old, 81, 82 years old when he died. And for the last couple of years of his life, he just didn't want to live anymore. And, you know, it it reminded me when dad died that, and I wrote this book after his death, um, a few years after his death, I thought about, you know, I couldn't, there was nothing I could do to get dad out of that spot. Right. I couldn't. And I tried, you know, I tried every conversation I could think of and he just was stuck in, you know, his own world of not being able to get out of that. Mm -hmm. And I know that there have been times in my life and there, there have been times, you know, even on the farm where I just got stuck and I just didn't know what to do. And I do know that there were there were times when bob had to sometimes in a very caring way you know say to me you know what you know you 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 know you're capable you're far more capable than you really realize you're stronger than you think you are you're smarter than you think you are and i think when people get stuck they don't think they're strong enough they don't think they're smart enough they 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 only see all their failures and there has to be those times when even if there's no one else around you that you have to change what you say to yourself and go you know what i am stronger than i really am i i can make it through this i i can do i know i can i know i'm not feeling it right now but you know what my feeling is an illusion mm-hmm. and and so So, you know, I am strong enough. You know what? I am pretty smart. I've gotten this far in my life and I'm still breathing. So evidently I've I've been able to survive this long. I I can survive this. You know, I've got to think about this in a different way.
0: Yeah, which which is mindset. So now, you know, you're asking somebody, especially somebody that's been on the planet for eight decades, right? right? Mm -hmm. You know, if we're talking about your dad or my dad, um, who only made it through uh, a little over six decades, same thing got stuck. Um, and, but you're asking not, but, but we're, we're asking people to have a massive mindset shift Mm -hmm. that, and, and some people can do it. They, you know, the conditions, their, their personality, the, their character, their support, if they have some can, can help them make that shift. But, uh, you know, in the case of me, your dad, my dad, sometimes it just isn't going to happen for him in this lifetime. Okay. And so, you know, all we can do is say, well, I did the best that I could with the, with what I knew at the time, but you know, it, it's, it's hard because we struggle, I think, as, um, as maybe kids that have, you know, or people that have lost their parents in situations like where you go, God, it didn't have to be that way. Uh, Mm -hmm. I wish they could have, you know, had this mind shift, um, and changed and had a different quality of life, but it's easy to be guilt, feel guilty, um, or kind of wish that you would have been able to do a better job at helping them make that shift. And sometimes, you know, we just, We don't get to have that power and we just have to be okay with saying that's apparently that was their soul's agenda and it, they fulfilled it the way they came to fulfill it and, and be okay with it.
1: Yeah. I, I, listen, I, I know that I did everything that I could do. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I, I know I did everything. I don't feel guilty. I don't, I don't have any guilt. And anything i've ever said I, I there's no guilt in that i wish it would have turned out differently it just didn't and, right. and that was dad's choice Let, let's let's first of all let's understand that my father made a choice okay my my father made a choice that he didn't want to be around anymore even though i encouraged him to say dad you know you were born in 1931 right after the depression you have a wealth of experience and lifetime that you need to share with people as long as you can to keep us in touch with that generation.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Mm
1: -hmm. And that wasn't enough. But let me say to the people who feel stuck right now.
0: Yeah.
1: Let me say something to you right now. Those people who feel like I'm really stuck and I can't get out. Yes. Okay. So first of all, I love the AA model. I really do. The AA, and AA, they say they have the same phrase one day at a time. And for those people who first get into AA, what they say to them is, you know, not just one day at a time, one minute at a time. And sometimes that's where you have to start is when you feel like you're stuck is, okay, this minute right now, what am I strong enough and smart enough to do? All right. And you get through that minute and you go, okay, what's the next minute? Okay. That minute's over. Okay. I'm thinking, I'm thinking some good things. That's good. I'm going to go to the next minute. Mm-hmm. And that before you know now, before you know it, you've you've got an hour of great thought process of all the possibilities that you can do, and that hour can turn into a second hour. And then before you know it, you've had a great day of thinking about all the possibilities, all the opportunities that you're smart enough to do that you're that you're capable of doing. And because you're starting to start to take it one minute at a time and then one hour at a time and then one day at a time that shift of you understanding that you're strong enough, you're powerful enough, you're smart enough. you When you start s- seeing that part of yourself, then that starts to, that starts to create a momentum. Yes. And so what happens is so often we tell people to get into momentum, but when people are stuck, they can't get into momentum. And so what we have to do is we have to take a baby step. And that exactly. first baby step is to say, okay, Well, what am I strong enough and smart enough to do? Well, you know what? I'm strong enough and smart enough to get up and make myself a sandwich. That's good. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. strong enough and smart enough to make the bed today. That's good. Mm -hmm. I'm strong enough and smart enough to be able to do my laundry today. That's good. I'm strong enough and smart enough to do my dishes today. That's pretty awesome. I'm strong enough and smart enough to call up a friend and say, hey, how are you doing today? Instead of worrying about me, that's pretty awesome. I'm strong enough and smart enough to, you know, go to indeed.com and check out to see, well, what things would I like to do?
0: Mhm. Yeah. Just start one Just, minute at a time.
1: Yeah. It's, 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 and you, you, you have to keep telling yourself, I, you know what? I am stronger than I think I am. I am smarter than I think I am. You know, can we, we can, we can all do that. You know I mean? Listen, I, I'm, Lori will tell you, I will tell you that when we started getting into this business of coaching and, and broadcasting and the things that we do, Listen, there have been moments where we go, God, this is just not working. (laughs) And I feel like, I feel like I'm getting nowhere, but then, you know, what you do is you go, you know what though? You're smart enough to know how to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, and you're, and you know what, you've got good things. What is that? What is an opportunity for me to take my coaching? Okay. Well, maybe I can't get paid to coach, but you know what, what if I, what if I put out on social media, some, some, some of my ideas that I coach. Maybe I, maybe, you know, that I can share with people and go, cause you know what, even if you're not going to pay me for them, I still want to make you better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that makes me feel better. And that gets, starts to give me momentum.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it's like you say, building momentum. Well, that's just it. It's something that you, you build, you know, one step, one brick, one action, one thought at a time. It's like a, you know, it's like a train that's been on a track and it hasn't moved for a long time. It, it, it starts out really slow and it takes a while. It takes a while before it is just clipping along, you know, at, at a good speed, but it takes a while. And so I think, yeah, yeah. you, you got to give your, cut yourself a little bit of slack and just go, you know, do you something that, you know, you can be successful at like it, making it, your bed, like making yeah. your sandwich.
1: Yeah. I mean, I got to be honest with you. Um, we have a, my wife and I have a fight over who's going to make the bed first. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll, and I'll tell you why, because I go, dang it. I accomplished something today. If nothing else goes right, I've made the bed Ah. and I was really successful at it because it looks great. And she thought it looked great because there's about 6 million pillows on my bed and (laughs) I got them all right. right? (laughs) And so. (laughs)
0: the the pillow talk we're going to talk about that when we talk about relationships later
1: (laughs) (laughs) but I mean but you you have to take your little victories yeah and you got to look at little victories and then you got to go this was a victory for me today I my wife is off on her little trip to the beach and she's with her girlfriends and they're having a great time and you know she she said start to start the dishwasher and I so I started the dishwasher and so I started it and this morning, I got up, and I don't have to unload the dishwasher, but darn it, I was going to. Before my first cup of coffee, I was going to unload that dishwasher. And I unloaded it, and it was clean, and it was pristine, and it looked great. It was empty. And I shut the door, and I said, I did it. Pat <laughs> yourself had, on the back. Nobody, nobody had to tell me to do it. No. She wouldn't have known if I waited until Sunday mm-hmm. to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Or would
1: she have? <laughs> <laughs> well, she may have. But, you know, the thing yeah. is, you've got to take your small victories. You can't look at them as things that, well, it's something you should be doing anyway. No, 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 no. Stop thinking that it's something I should be doing. Start looking at it as things that go, man, I did that today. Right. I got this done today. I got, I got, I've got several things under my belt today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because if you minimize it, if you minimize it, you lose the opportunity to use that as fuel, and you 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 lose momentum. Right. You'll never get into momentum if
1: you go. Oh, what am I supposed to do anyway? Mm hmm. No. No.
0: No, people, no. (laughs) Unload the damn dishwasher (laughs) before you're asked.
1: Fold your fold your laundry, guys. (laughs) Seriously, fold your fold your sheets seriously. Yeah. Even, even the fitted sheet, I know it's a struggle. Do it. Yeah. Trust me when you yeah. do it and you put it up in the, in, in the, in the drawer, you go, well, it may not have been perfect, but I got it done.
0: Yeah. And you know what, if you've never done it before, the very act of doing that is going to create an entire new neural pathway in <laughs> your brain. It you really- are going to be, you are going to be way smarter the next day
1: <laughs> just from folding just- that sheet. Yeah, but I just think, I think, though, that was the thing, you know, Bob gave me in the farm, Bob gave me little jobs to do, right? They were very simple jobs, but you know what he would say to me, even though it was his little job, he says, you did a great job today.
0: Nice. And, and look at, uh, look at how powerful that was for you.
1: You did a great job. All I did was uh, I, I spent, I spent several hours, you know, spraying weeds. You did a great job today. I cleaned, I cleaned 12, uh, you know, scooped poop for, you know, 24, 40 hog pens,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: I do that every day. Nice job.
0: And that's an important one. <laughs> I, I know. Cause we have a, speaking of that, um, so since we have a dog, um, and, uh, you know, a lot of times that, um part of the bodily function piles up out in the front. So my husband gets the fancy little pooper scooper and he goes out there and which I am delighted to see when that is happening. And what I, what I have fun doing is telling him what a great job he's doing. And then I get on my bicycle and I ride around the yard and I go, Oh, you missed that one. (laughs) And I I help. (laughs) <laughs> and i become a helper. So, but it turns it into fun. So he laughs because I'm, you know, out there, um, delegating, um, while he's scooping poop and we just have a, a good time <laughs> and the right. job gets done. And, uh, I give him words of affirmation and everybody's happy. Uh, so, well, yeah.
1: I, you know, that's, a, you know, that's actually another lesson in the book, right? Is that you, laughter is so important.
0: Yes. You yep. know,
1: chapter 17 is laughter has in the workplace has a place and you know, and, and I say that because we don't laugh enough. We don't laugh at ourselves enough. We, we, we get so caught up into shame uh, or embarrassment, which by the way is based in is fear based anyway, because we don't want to look badly. The truth of the matter is we got to be able to laugh more regularly, laugh at ourselves, laugh at others. we, we have a tendency, especially in this pandemic era, we had we have a tendency here to te- be so serious about everything that we have stopped laughing.
0: Yeah, it's not a good thing.
1: No, we need to laugh. We need to laugh. We need you need to laugh every day. Yep. You you need to find something about yourself that you go, man, that's silly. I, I mean, literally, I'm gonna tell you something just so I just burst out laughing today. I walked in, I was, I work in the kitchen and where my, where my laptop is and my tablet and everything. And I'm working in the kitchen and I needed to go to the, to the laundry area in our closet. And I got there and I, for the life of me could not remember why I went in there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I sat down, I sat down in the laundry room and I just started laughing and going, holy crap, is this going to get worse? Because I got to tell you, this is pretty funny (laughs) that I, I, I I literally walked, you know, X number of steps, which isn't really all that far. Uh And I cannot remember from the time I got up in the chair in the kitchen to the time I got into the laundry area of the closet, I cannot remember what I came in here to do. Right. And I am, I am literally laughing at myself going, Oh my gosh, this (laughs) is crazy. And Mm I, and you, Yeah, I just took the moment and embraced it and just started laughing and giggling about how just silly it is, right? Because, you know, you could get so frustrated with yourself and so upset going, now, what did I come in here for? Doggone it, right? You could be so, instead, I chose, and there's the operative word, chose, chose. to look at it and say, man, that's
0: funny. Oh, yeah. That's a daily occurrence for me, Jay, (laughs) every day. I go... Because I, I don't do anything slow. i I run, I literally run and skip through my house from room to room with whatever the task at hand is. And so I, I have a lot of energy. Once I get going, i'm 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 a hundred miles an hour until i until I stop around dinner time. And so I'm rushing. I'm, you know, I'm and and it's not because I'm rushing because I feel like I have to rush. It's just my normal pace. I just move and I just go fast. So I, I'm rushing from room to room. And every day I have that same experience that you have in your in your laundry closet. And uh, I go, why? Why did I come? Why am I here again? Why Why am I standing in the pantry looking around? I have no idea. And then I do the same thing. I just laugh at myself. So I get a good dose of laughter every single day. And then my husband and I laugh, you know, which, which is all you got to do if you have a pet is look at your pet and pay attention to your pet yeah, for a few minutes good. and you'll laugh. You know, it, it's so important, though. I mean, not only is it just fun, it keeps you lighter, it keeps life in a better, more positive perspective, but then you also, it's literally good for you because you're releasing the good hormones into your body that promotes more of that, more of, of a joyous feeling and a lighter feeling and a happy feeling.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The dopamine, the dopamine center yeah. Is, yeah. The, the endorphins are kicking in and you know, it's, there's just so many positive things. And that's why I think that how, where we're at right now in the COVID-19 thing is that we, we've got to find a way to laugh.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We, you know, we've got to stop preaching. We've got to stop shaming. We've got to stop yelling. We've got to stop screaming. We've got to find a way to laugh.
0: Yeah, I because
1: the, the, the truth of the matter is, have some of you really looked in the mirror at the masks that you're wearing? Because i am going to tell you, you're pretty funny. <laughs> right. I'm funny. I looked at myself with, with my mask on. I'm like going, you look hilarious. Seriously. <laughs> you, you look, you look ridiculously funny. You really do. And I get it. I know what we're doing, but I mean, yeah. it's funny. I mean, I, I, and, and it's, it's hilarious. And you know, I, I think we've got to, I think we've got to find ways to laugh more. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, being to to stop being mean just a mean person, just stop behaving mean to other people that maybe just are doing things a little different or thinking a little different. I mean, that's that's always going to be the way things are because we're humans. We all have our own thoughts and perspectives and experiences, but you don't have to be mean about it when no. you don't share the same perspective. And I think there's just a lot of meanness going on all day, every day now. And I would really like to see people just have uh, a little more um, kindness. And it doesn't mean that you have to be a doormat. doesn't mean you have to give up your opinion, but you can do it in a way that isn't mean and vicious. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, yeah, I get kind of, I mean, I could, I could get frustrated about it, but I don't. I just take the, uh, the humorous look and I go, boy, you know, us people, we're, we're humanity's kind of gone bananas. <laughs> I just, you know, well, we'll work it out eventually, you know?
1: Yeah, I, yeah, we will. And you know, here, here's the thing that I would encourage everybody out there during this time to do is start growing your gray area.
0: Yeah. So tell us what you mean by the gray area. <laughs>
1: So we want everything to be one side or another. It's either, it's either, you know, we're either on this side or on that side Mm -hmm. instead of having gray area in between. Mm -hmm. And we keep trying to eliminate the gray areas of our lives. Mm -hmm. So we draw these lines that say there's no gray area. You're either this or you're that. Right. But the truth is we need to grow the gray area. Because when we grow gray area, what happens is we're a little lighter, we're a little more forgiving, we're a little more understanding, we're a little more, um, yeah. It's just the way they are. It's okay, good for them. And you know, sadly, as much as I've written about social media, and I've written a lot about it, in in you know Entrepreneur magazine and in all sorts of magazines i've I've written about articles on on social media sadly what has happened is we have used this platform which can be used any way we want to for good or evil yeah and what we've done is we've drawn lines in the sand and have we've eliminated the gray area your goal should be and and I will say this to you as point blank as I can. Stop responding to every post that you either agree or disagree with. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Ignore it. Move on. I know that deep inside yourself that what you want to do is you want to go, that just got me so upset. I'm going to fight back. No. No. We're not going to fight today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't, don't have to engage. You don't. Y-
1: you know, I've written about this time and time again. You, you want to know how to get rid of the trolls and the flamers and the shamers? Stop feeding them.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: When you stop feeding them, guess what happens? They go away.
0: Yeah, you starve them out.
1: <laughs> and so so I, I make it a practice when a post comes across and it it, I feel an emotional response come up. I go, that's one that's not going to get an answer. As soon as I feel a tingle of emotional, that's negative. I go, guess what? Not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it takes practice. Mm-hmm. You have to practice that skill going, but I'm angry and they're wrong. And they're, I mean, okay, first of all, stop they're not, they are what they are. It's a thing. It's their thing. It's not your thing. It's their thing. And all they're doing is they're just trying to entice you into the battle because that's all they want to do is fight because that's where they're at. Yeah. Stop it. You feel that you feel that negative emotion come up, move on, shut it down, leave. If you have to, you know, you, you know, Go out and grow a garden. I don't know what is it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it's true because there's so, there's so, a billion other more productive things that you could do with the resources of your focus and your time and your energy, and and to spend it um, going to battle over things that will not serve anybody in any positive way is just. Squ- squandering your time, squandering your resources. So, yeah, g- grow a garden, you know, practice folding those sheets, whatever. There's a lot of other things that you could be doing um, that empower you and move your life forward. Don't worry about, yeah, trying to change yeah. somebody else's mind about something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and here's the, here's the other question I, I'm now asking myself more and more frequently as the older I get. I'm asking myself, is this really something I want to spend energy on? Mm -hmm. And by the way, do I really want to waste, waste any emotional energy? Because emotional energy is emotional energy, positive or negative. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do I really want to expend some emotional energy on something so negative when I could be saving up some of that emotional energy for something really positive?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Because it's a resource.
1: Yeah, emotional energy is emotional energy. Doesn't matter. Yeah, you, you only have so much. You think you have unlimited emotional energy? Trust me, you don't. Emotional energy will exhaust you and zap you, mm-hmm. and so you have to make a choice of what. Uh, there's that word again. You have to make a choice as to where you want to do with your emotional energy. And and I just don't. I am not. I I know people get upset with me going. You didn't respond to my post. Okay, well, I'm nope. not gonna, I, I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I only got so much emotional energy in the day. I just didn't feel like responding to it. How's that?
0: Yeah, we all have our priorities.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I wrote this post. I thought you would be for sure. I'm like, well, I just didn't feel like wasting my emotional energy on it today. I, I wanted to save it. You know, I haven't seen my wife and, you know, haven't had a conversation with her in a week. So I decided I was going to save all my positive emotional energy for her when she got home
0: hmm. There you go. I think um, reminding people of that uh, is so important on how you spend your emotional energy, because it is like it's like a draw on a bank account. <laughs> and the more you deplete it, the, the less you have to spend on the things that are should be a priority and the most important things in your life.
1: So then uh, you, you know what people do when they spend their emotional energy? Right. What they do is then they try to find ways to emotionally stimulate themselves mm-hmm. further. Right. So then what they do is they will watch the news. They will go drinking. They will go drugging. They will go. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. they'll, get, they'll, they'll find other ways to stimulate themselves because they've depleted themselves with motu- of all their emotional energy because they've spent it all being angry and upset and everything else. So they try to stimulate it because mm-hmm. they can't. They can't feel.
0: Because mm-hmm. they don't realize
1: they've expended it all,
0: mm-hmm.
1: when if yeah. they didn't spend it up front, they wouldn't need the extra stimulation.
0: Yeah, yeah. So then the the cycle begins or the cycle continues. Right. Because
1: then because then once you expend that and then then you start trying to do other things to stimulate yourself, then you need even more stimulation.
0: Yep. And then you get stuck in and that then pattern. And you get stuck
1: again. Right. And then you're depressed.
0: Yeah yeah
1: and, yeah I mean, <laughs> it's just it's a crazy spiral, but it's really true,
0: but it is true. it is true. I want to ask you, Jay, about a going rogue story, and I want to ask you, I want to talk about um some of this stuff as applies to relationships, but we're like we're. <laughs> We're running out of time today. So I'm wondering if you will come back next week and let's continue the conversation because there's so much good stuff here and stuff we haven't even touched on yet. I would love to. I would love to come back.
1: I would love to talk to your listeners. I would like to talk to you. (laughs)
0: Well, I want to talk to you too. I want to, I want to talk about, uh, your wife, Linda and your 22 year marriage. And I know you probably have some great relation as I call them relationship tips for us. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. So good. Well then let's, um, let's make a plan. Let's have you back next week and the conversation will continue. So thank you today for all of this time. I can't believe how much time has passed. So thank you though. I really appreciate everything you've shared.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you.
0: Awesome. I'll see you next week. And there you have it, folks. So make sure that you tune in next week for part two. Of what is sure to be a compelling and riveting conversation about some relation shifting between me and Jay. If you would like some guidance, shifting your mindset, overcoming some challenges or getting unstuck, just head on over to my website, LoriBischoff.com where you can learn what private coaching with me is all about. You'll find my books there too. Common sense happiness, which helps you create a healthy mental diet and the food print plan, which helps you create a healthy food diet. Also, both of those books are really going to help you shift and create a life that you feel good about. Um, Don't forget as well, I forgot to have him share this, but you can find um, information about Jay on his website jizzo that's i-z-s-o dot he's on instagram at jizzo he is on facebook uh, as at uh, internet doctor he's on twitter as the internet doctor and linkedin jizzo so if you're enjoying all the good shift being shared on this podcast, it would really mean a lot to me if you would just take a quick minute, give it a rating and a review. Your reviews and the things that you say really inspire other people to give it a listen and help them make some shifts in their lives. So until next week, stay feisty, my friends, stay healthy, and go make some epic shift happen in your lives. And that goes for you too, Gary Vee.